This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hey, movie lovers. Welcome back for another Anatomy of a Movie here at the Popcorn Talk Network. Today, we go all the way back to England a couple centuries ago with Robin Hood stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. So stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We get another rendition of the Robin Hood tale in the latest installment, 2018, produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, of all people. But that is the movie we're talking about. Here today, we have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. I am Phil Svitek. Missing in action is Dimitri Panos, because it's a Tuesday for us here with coming to the end of the year with lots of movies. We've got kind of a crazy schedule, so do keep checking back in with us. Hopefully, um, we'll cover all the movies that you so desire. Right. Dimitri's off fighting in the Crusades right now. That's why he's not here. <laughs> yes, he is. That's, where, that's, that's why we're so poor. We've been funding the war effort. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, it's a noble effort for yes. him. Yes. <laughs> Those are inside jokes, which um, let me kind of backtrack and tell you a couple of things. First off, if you don't understand those jokes, that's because you probably haven't seen the movie. Uh, In which case, I highly, highly recommend doing so first because we are a spoiler-filled review slash in-depth discussion. We're not just simply reviews. Yes, we're going to talk about the storylines and the plot lines and so forth. But we're going to go in a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about how things got made, the cinematography, the editing, all that good stuff, culminating into a box office, or in this case, an unfortunate box office. Uh, Also, if you want to follow along, we do have our rundown in the description box. It's a little PDF. You just click it, and you can follow along. Lastly, the conversation is never complete without you, so we do encourage you to comment along. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. You can also interact with us directly. We'll give out our social media handles at the end. Um, so there you have it. Uh, and if I haven't done so, welcome to the show. We appreciate you being here. And where we usually kick off is with our overall thoughts on the movie. So, Marissa, let me kick it off to you. You know, I was actually excited for this one, Robin Hood. The, the trailer seemed fun, seemed comedic. Uh, we're a fan of, of Taron Egerton. We've covered, you know, all the Kingsman movies and... Um, his Eddie the Eagle one as well. Uh-huh. So, like, I, I like Taron. He, he's a fun actor, and especially for someone who's young and still kind of up and coming in the Hollywood scheme, I like him. Um, so I was excited to see this one because I knew it was going to be fun. I knew it was going to be funny. And overall, I actually did enjoy it. I mean, it, it is the same tale told again a million times. You see different characters of the same names, but, like, their own personal spins on them. 
still fun. Didn't seem original, but there were moments I was like, that's cool. Haven't seen that in the other Robin Hood movies. And overall, it was actually very entertaining. I liked this film more than, unfortunately, other people did. It's a fun popcorn film. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well, too. I thought I thought it was enjoyable. And, you know, I understand it's not a great movie, but I think it's a good movie. It's a solid movie. I think it's got some action. I think it does have some heart, believe it or not. And, you know, I maybe it's because I'm a, a Robin Hood fan from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves to Men in Tights. Men in Tights. To even, of course, the Disney one. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's we'll talk about kind of how this stacks up to the other ones. But overall, I, I thought it brought something fresh. Um, it's kind of a weird amalgamation where it's not historically accurate. It's got some, like, modern age stuff, but but mixed with old. Uh, and, you know, maybe that was kind of what, what was the most off-putting. I think if it was just slightly, maybe a little bit older, I think people would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Because I do think it has, story-wise, beat for beat, it's actually got a pretty good story. And it's acted very well for my money's worth right and i think we had a, a great villain and antagonist in this film uh and you yeah you wanted to steal from him and have him get his comeuppance too so i think uh as likable as the protagonist was with taron egerton that's as dislikable we had with ben mendelson um who who played the sheriff and I, I think it was great and they had a lot of great scenes together because you don't really see that in the other robin hood um adaptations you don't see a lot of like actual kind of camaraderie interactions you, you only see really just um you know conflict but not working together and i i think that was fresh and interesting to see that type of dynamic that they try playing out yeah it, it kind of reminded me of the mask of zorro in a sense where you know you had to infiltrate the rich people's layer if you will to to figure out the game plan and and kind of pretend to be part of them, but really you're helping out the poor. So I thought it had those elements, and I, I thought that was that, that definitely was a fresh take. And this idea that he, because Robin of Loxley was always Robin of Loxley, but we forget, and you know, um, it's not as well told that side of it that that he does come from wealth to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of coming to f- fruition, and also. This idea that um, he he is in essence he's not like the leader that he always is portrayed to be. Like he has he has this beginning to it, and he starts a revolution in essence. And I appreciated kind of the origin story of that. Yeah, I like it, and it's it's fun to see the the rise of a unlikely hero. You can say. I mean, we saw the backstory and um, of him at the Crusades, which is actually pretty cool to to see. Um, just his, his experience and how he fights um, and that mentality and mindset that he brought back with him home to now we it's believable as audience that's like, yeah, he has that skill set. He can totally be the Robin Hood that we know to be. But to see from point A to point B, um, it's, it's fun to see that progression and journey and character development-wise. And I, I liked it because you do see those moments of humanity with him, especially with the Crusades when he was trying to do the right thing and save someone because, you know, they were so merciless. Who's really the good guy here? They're supposed to be the good guys, but yet you see them in, like, animalistic ways and just savagely killing people, and you're like, that's not good either. Um, so I like that 
the backstory with the Crusades showed he is ultimately a good guy who knows right from wrong. Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, it kind of almost reminded me of like Batman Begins to a certain extent because uh, that movie, Batman goes away and then comes back to Gotham and, and sees all the bad things that have taken place in his city. Uh, and, you know, to a, to a certain extent, that's a hyperized version of, you know, what the world is or was back in that day. And so this kind of, you know, it's it's like an alternate universe in essence. It's not quite the, the medieval times we know, but it's, you know, imagine if certain things went a little bit different. Yeah. Um, let's backtrack really quick. Uh, so it, this love affair for Robin Hood... It's interestingly enough because Disney was working on one called Nottingham and the Hood. Sony was doing one called Hood and then kind of became this third script in essence and came together for this uh, with Lionsgate getting their hands on it. Leonardo DiCaprio with his production company, um, Appian Way, still, you know, being attached to produce. And just even by the title alone, right, The Hood, I appreciate that, like, what reminded me most about kind of, I guess, Batman Begins was the fact that unlike past versions that I've seen, Robin Hood is always, he's he's known for who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Robin of Loxley, there's no question about it, but here he's called The Hood for a reason, because he wears a hood and you don't know who he is. So I thought that was an interesting element to add to it and something that obviously both studios were kind of playing with. Right, and I, I like that. That was kind of like their their compromise because then they couldn't get the movie title hood. <laughs> so they're like, well, let's put it in the actual script. And then I think that's where they had to meet halfway. But it also does help having Robin Hood in the title because it is an iconic story that people know. So it does help with just the marketing aspect. If you had a title called Hood, it, it opens and makes it way more ambiguous. Like, and be like Little Red Riding Hood? It's a neighborhood. And yeah, Little Red Riding Hood. They're, they're, like, it's too broad of a term to understand it's a Robin Hood story. So I did. I don't mind that they put Robin Hood in the title. Um, it, it felt it could be a little bit more original, maybe like Robin Hood and the Crusades or whatever. Um, but I, I think it's interesting because this is such a story that's repeated so many times. And there's like two other projects working on it at the same time that it is famous. People know about it. So I like how there's collaboration for something. Yeah, it's an old story, but it still felt modern in some ways watching it. So let me ask you this. Uh, which of the Robin Hoods are you familiar with in terms of movies or just the classic Let's say fables or folklore, rather. Um, I will, of course, I know the Disney one, but the the awesome fox. That's 1973. 1973. Um, that one. That one. I was exposed to a lot as a kid. I made Anthony, our engineer, who's <laughs> producing us right now, listen to the opening music to that just a few weeks ago. So I, I am exposed to to that one a lot. Um, of course, Mel Brooks' Men in Tights, because that one is fun and hysterical. <laughs> And also Kevin Costner's. So those are like the three that I'm more familiar with. Yeah, Prince of Thieves, the um, the Kevin one is is very. I thought it was the most kind of realistic, and it, it was the most hard. I, I actually haven't seen the um, the Russell Crowe one, believe it or not. Um, although you know, a lot of signs point to that it was going to be a good movie. I just never got around to it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, what I appreciate the, the message of Robin Hood, steal from the rich, give to the poor, is um, kind of universal. I think there's a lot of countries, perhaps in, perhaps more in Europe, I'd have to kind of think of ones in, in America, but it, it's a very noble cause, and every nation seems to have its own folklore, but Robin Hood's the one that just kind of stood the test of time overall. Yeah. Um, you know, when you kind of, this movie had all those traits except for one thing. Prince John, because mm. uh, we we get the sher- sh- sheriff and he was the antagonist. And normally it's it's the prince and the sheriff, and the the sheriff is kind of out doing the bidding of the prince, but not this time. No, the sheriff's doing all the work. Yes, and I like that because it sheriff is the the main antagonist. He's the one that you you have to fight throughout the entire thing. But it just shows how cold of a villain that he is because this is all he's doing. Literally, he's the one. It's his idea. People yeah, are stealing the money. And he has his lackeys, what have you. But it's his decision. And then seeing him pair up with someone else just to take over, you're like, oh, so you understand why he's doing all this and um, you know, stealing from everybody. But I like it because Ben Mendelsohn is so good at playing villains. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought he did wonderful um, but sticking to that, uh, just kind of the basic tropes, right? What what trope did you enjoy seeing most in this movie before we dive deeper into, you know, the sheriff? You know, I really, it's not so much a trope, but just the, the consistency of the friendships of uh, Robin and his quote-unquote merry men. Um, when you have Little John, I think this this relationship between Little John and Robin Hood in this one is that, Robin Hood tried saving Little John's son, and I think that's a story I haven't seen mm-hmm. before, and I thought that was fresh. And it gave a more realistic humanity type of backstory of why they would be friends and work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you get it all. You get Friar Tuck, uh, you get Maid Marian, um, which I, I appreciate, like, um, how that storyline kind of began the journey. Uh, normally, obviously their love interest but we don't get the the context of how they came in to be and her starting off as a thief and him you know coming to that life was very much apropos if you will mm-hmm. um you know uh, i i guess the only thing about john is that they didn't call him little john little john just john <laughs> <laughs> which uh is a translation of his arab name um so yeah it, it had all those elements and uh like what? What I as far as it, it had an interesting take on it as far as a mentor relationship because normally Robin Hood is always Robin Hood and doesn't need to learn. And as much as you said, like he he learned in the Crusades, and that only got him to a certain level. It was Little John who needed to take him further. Yeah, to amp his his training and skill set and make him become even a better archer than he already was. And I like that because it shows like. He Robin Hood was good on his own, but with the help of Little John, he became great. And also simultaneously now having a purpose of why being Robin Hood, what did they stand for, why they were doing all of it, um, it just added more meaningfulness to all of their actions. Yeah, and then the, that was the big kind of heartbreaking moments of the movie when uh, Rob, as they call him, or Loxley... Mm-hmm. I, he couldn't tell Maid Marian that, you know, the one thing that he comes back for. And you could tell that she's, at least for me, that she was so torn initially. And you, know, you kind of wanted to get back with him now that she found out he wasn't dead. 
And he would have loved that, except he can't have her because that would compromise things. Right. And I think that was interesting, too, because uh, we're always, obviously, we're always rooting for Robin and Marion to be together because that's the whole story of their relationship. But I did find it believable because it was, it's not like she was cheating on him. She was actually fully led to believe that he was dead. Therefore, she moved on, and you're just like you're like, okay, she's not bad in that sense, but you also know that you that Will Scarlet <laughs> is not good. That's a doomed relationship because it's supposed to be Robin and Marion. Um, I like that because it did show conflict. That I think some of the chemistry was there. I found them actually very believable together. Yeah, I I, I did too, and. Even their looks, like whenever they had close-ups, I thought were very telling of their emotions. And as far as Maid Marian, in a couple of versions, she's always a cheerleader for Robin Hood's cause. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought this movie, she was was one of the more active Maid Marians that I've ever seen. I agree. Uh, She's definitely active in the political sense, standing up for Bob's rights. And I, I like the. This is why I say it does feel modern a little bit because we know with movies now, women are becoming like stronger characters, and the part that she's actually part of the fight because there have been past Robin Hoods and adaptations that she's kind of like the the damsel in distress, but this one she's no damsel, and I enjoy that. Yeah, and I thought. I thought that worked really well, and it furthered the relationship of Robin and her because, you know, he doesn't want to get her involved. That's why he's not telling her. He's trying to be as protective as he can, yet their their lives combine, and, and in fact, what makes the relationship stronger at the end is, is she, as she tells him, like, I always knew you were meant for this, mm-hmm. and they're both for the cause and doing whatever they can, and it's not just her sort of being like you go guy essentially being a cheerleader <laughs> right and i like how she she was already politically active before robin came back from the crusades um she already knew what was right and what was wrong uh what the sheriff was doing so i like how she was already against the fight mm-hmm. um and then now seeing robin Hood also for the fight you're, you're like yeah they they do belong together because they're fighting for the same thing yeah and and her and Friar Tuck, I, I thought this was a really good rendition of Friar Tuck. I, I, he's always an interesting character. I think a fun character, certainly from the Disney movie in particular. <laughs> right. um, which, by the way, apologies if we haven't seen all the rest of them. There, there are a lot of great versions of them. So I'd be curious to know, if you've seen the other ones, what your favorite is. But um, going back to Friar Tuck, I thought, like, he had a compassion to him, and yet um, an odd fate. Like, I think... They deliberately made him look a certain way, um, which gets noted throughout the film. But you could see his tenderness and mm-hmm. his his courage throughout. I thought I thought it was just a great performance overall. Yeah, and I really liked their fun relationship that they had, the, that the brotherhood kind of camaraderie, and even the moment where like they, you know, they were pretending, quote unquote, um, that he he did the the thievery, the robbery, and getting defracted and stuff. But um, that actually led to, like, a real true moment of conflict. You're like, oh, crap, this could go south real quick. But um, the the humor that was followed out, he was like, it was one of the best things ever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
kind of liberating in that sense. So I really liked that friendship between Robin Hood and Friar Tuck because that felt like a real brohood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the before we talked about the sheriff, I, one of the pivotal moments in the movie is kind of when they're in that town square, let's say, and Robin Hood reveals himself who he actually is. Um, I thought that was a very powerful scene, actually, just the way he delivers everything and, and what that represents of him taking off the mask. Because um, for up until that point, it was it was essentially the poor against the rich. Mm-hmm. But now this was someone, quote unquote, rich on their side. And, you know, early on in the film, th- there was a big point of like, oh, we have to account for the Locksley vote. Well, he's dead. No, he's not. Nope. And he's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> no one else knows. <clears throat> and I, I like that because it does show, uh, like, literally the revealing of oneself shows that um, you can relate to him because if he's hiding behind a mask and a hood, you, he's just an, another guy. But, like, once you feel, like, know who the true self is, you, you can get on board with that. And you're like, yeah, I can fight with you. Now that I know your true identity, now that I know your true purpose. And I like that. And I, I think that was a great speech that he yeah. had, like riveting. Yeah. I would vote for him. <laughs> and I think, I think as symbolically it does represent a lot more because it, they had a lot of the hoods you know, that became a symbol, right? Almost like if someone started putting up a, a Batman mask or certainly how, how they have the um, – the, the light insignia, yeah. Um, and whereas this, it, it, by him revealing himself, he, it was actually a greater purpose because he represents the rich and being able to convert them. So, so that um, I thought it was powerful. Now, along there too, him and Will shook hands um, in the sort of climax of everything. Will uh, Robin makes a very deliberate decision to go back and save Will. But Will essentially turns. Mm-hmm. What do you think of... I, 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 Will's bitter because Robin got his woman. Was that all? Be, but I think he had a greater purpose because even when Maiden Marian was like, hey, let's do this, and even if she said, like, I love you, it's it, he was much more into the political leadership aspect of it and taking advantage of everything rather than just made Mary, you know, um, being petty over made Marion. Right. And then like, I definitely saw there was a power struggle with Will because I think Robin Hood even said, I understand why these people follow you. They listen to you. Um, and, and all that. And you can definitely see Will enjoy that. He enjoyed the power that he has influence on people. And I think that's just that, that power struggle that Will has that, um, he wants to be in a position of authority. Um, not to, like control but for people to listen to him and to take action in that way that those are his steps so i definitely saw a power power monger with with will yeah he's an opportunist and i i thought it was a very interesting inclusion of him because at first um he, he did represent that side of well why you know we 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 should have someone who's out in the open uh, representing us rather than Robin Hood, this face, this this masked figure, um, and when when you find out that he really is just about for himself, mm-hmm. like I almost kind of don't know which one of them is worse. I mean, the movie obviously ends on Will now taking the mantle of the sheriff, um, 
so I guess in that sense, the movie saying Will is actually worse than the sheriff because uh, he's a liar, whereas elite, you know, certainly the sheriff is a liar to his people, but his motive is very singular. Yeah. Ultimately. And is somewhat of a hypocrite because he turned on his own friends. Yeah. So, like, you don't like him in that sense just for the the morality of his character. You don't like that he can... If he can do that to his friends, he's easily going to do that to the people that he doesn't care about, quote-unquote. And um, it just makes him more dislikable on different levels as a villain. Absolutely. So let's, let us talk about the villain. Um, ben Mendelsohn, we saw him in Ready Player One as a great villain. Saw him in Star Wars as a good villain as well. <laughs> and now we see him here. So um, I th- I really liked his portrayal. I thought he had a lot of great nuances to the role. Um, and I thought of the way he introduced Robin Hood into his inner circle I felt very motivated. It wasn't like one of those like, oh, you're just so stupid type of things. Right. It felt earned. I was like, I wouldn't want to be in the same room as Sheriff um, because of his his dark ways, how he uses people to do his his work, um, his his uh, mindset when he's talking to people, why he's doing certain things. Um, and also just the way that they film him. And I think the cinematography definitely helps because they, they shot so many low angles of him, which made him look even more superior than he is. Um, the way they he dressed him, very, like, one-piece, big, long cape, um, gray, very stoic in, in that sense that, like, he, he looks like a villain, he acts like a villain. He, he's a person of political power and authority that you don't want to mess with. And um, I think he does a great job. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to see Ben in an actual nice role, but he's so good at playing a such a dislikable villain. You're like, how can Robin kill him? Yeah, I, I think it, it would be an interesting movie to, to flip that trope on its head, uh, certainly. But uh, but I did appreciate him. Um, let me ask you this before we move on to the technical aspects of the movie. What was your favorite action sequence? I loved it when uh, they had. Um, so I, I really had two, but the one that like really stood out to me because I wasn't really, really expecting it was when they raided the mines, mm. and there was whole horse chasing sequence and like and the whole town fighting back and stuff. I like I like that um, because I wasn't expecting it, and you're like, oh crap, is really going down when I mean, they're physically just beating the crap out of these helpless people in the mines just for money um i thought that was very well done yeah uh one of the i i thought the ending scene for sure was really well done um i appreciated when they were trying to loot the um treasury you know hit them where it hurts Mm -hmm. type of thing and and even though it went wrong they sent the message and so forth and I, I thought that was a good little bit because just the way Little John had everything sort of orchestrated where the fire started, fire. then um, which was kind of um, a foreshadow of what would happen in the final battle as well. Yeah. Um, so, a lot, yeah, I, th- I thought for the most part the action played really well. Yeah, and I enjoyed the crusades at the beginning of the movie because that, like, really set, set the, the action um you know, sequences, because I was like, oh, crap. If this is Crusades in the first 10 minutes of the film, I can't imagine what the finale is going to be. And the cool thing about the Crusades, it, sh- it established, like, how good of an archer Robin Hood is already. 
and uh, the what was probably the equivalent of a fifty cal, but with the arrows. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. I'm, I'm surprised. The one thing that I would kind of nitpick is I would like to see a couple more sword fights. You know, he's always got his arrows and whatnot, which is great. He's known for that, but he was also a great uh, swordsman too. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the only thing missing for me. All right, let's talk about the technical aspects of this. Uh, the director Otto Bathurst, uh, British guy, has done things such as Black Mirror, Peaky Blinders. So uh, you know, one one of the things that he talks about is. Um, I have this weird hate for most period filmmaking. For me, I want to see a story that actually has purpose and um, resonance to me in my life rather than just looking back for the sake of looking back. I also never quite understand why filmmakers tend to change the way they make a film dependent on the film you're making. Your audience is a 21st century audience, whether you're telling a story about cavemen or aliens. So you can definitely see that sentiment in this movie. (laughs) He's telling an old story. For a 21st century audience, mm-hmm. um, which unfortunately is one of the biggest nitpicks as far as critics that have against it. But um, again, I, I didn't really mind it. No, I didn't mind it either because, yeah, it's an old story, but the themes are still relevant today. Political power, um, draining your common folk people of money um, and, and the way that things go about. I think those are still universal themes. Very much so. And some would argue, especially... In America, with with Trump, that it, it might be worse than ever. Um, yeah, right. I'm not saying right. I'm just saying that it's certainly a, a, a climate. We America is a nation divided, um, for better or worse. Um, okay, so uh, interestingly enough, so they they shot in Croatia, uh, and then one of the sets eventually, like they, they shot a lot of stuff in Croatia, and then eventually one of the sets actually. Um, uh, had a fire, right? Yeah, so they had to move production for the last few scenes over to France. So a British film set in Croatia and France. Yeah, and that's the beauty of filmmaking. You can generally film completely somewhere different, and it's a stand-in for the actual place. I didn't mind it whatsoever because it's not really about location. It's about the characters and the story. And it... It felt true because uh, there were moments where you saw they were in Sherwood Forest, but mm-hmm. they didn't like fully acknowledge that it was Sherwood Forest. Like, oh, this is an interesting woods. I'm like, yeah, we know what woods those are. Um, and I liked it because visually it, it showed enough of what we already know is in the Robin Hood story, like the certain places. Yeah, and it felt like, it felt like a city that was of importance, like Nottingham – it was always the setting, but even in like Prince of Thieves, uh, it doesn't feel like a city. You know what I mean? It's it's very, it's very rural. I can never rural. Say, rural. Yeah, rural. Um, you definitely saw the different lives in the different worlds from the, the rich, definitely in like the ca- castle palace place, compared to the poor that's in the mines. Visually different. One's completely dark. One's completely luxurious and warm and in different colors. So, I think the locations definitely set the the different environments of the people that we're facing throughout mm-hmm. the entire film. And everything had to be overall one third historically correct, one third contemporary, and one third futuristic. So it's an interesting mix, and like I said, that's why it feels like a very much like alternate universe in that regard. Um, 
and certainly visually it works in that sense. Now, we've been talking about the archery. YouTube sensation Lars Anderson of Denmark was hired to teach the cast archery, which you don't often hear a YouTube star teaching actors, you know, much in that, certainly not from a martial arts standpoint. No, but we're always hearing that they bring in, like, professional consultants with whatever skill craft. Like, we just taught craft on Crete, too, and we had professional boxers um, that helped with the training. So it's not new for Hollywood to bring in people who are, you know, professions, professionals in their craft. So I I like that because they they don Lars as the the real Legolas. For those who don't know Legolas and who've been living under rock, he is the the elf in Lord of the Rings who's great at archery. Um, I like that because it did the the real archery that we see in the movie. I was like, that's some real skill. And and the actual technical, it's like, if you throw the bow on this side, it cuts your time by a half a second. If you do multiple in one hand, that, that cuts it down even more. So, like, they did have actual archery skills in this that i was like oh this is cool maybe i should take up archery yeah it see it, it certainly made archery very cool um my comment about lars was simply the fact that like you, you don't hear much about a youtube sensation you know what i mean like right. it, it, when you talk about blending in 21st century aspects into filmmaking the fact that like you know as an archer you can be a youtube sensation this is it's just great what a mm-hmm. day and age we live in. That's all. Yeah, you can just go to the internet and find the best person out there. Absolutely. And and even um, the horses themselves, um, they they need to be very well-trained horses that could do tight turns and so forth. Um, that, and, ho- that horse chase scene, sorry to cut you. That horse chase scene was awesome. And especially there was a line where they were like, get the horse. I was like, no, don't get the horse. Shoot. <laughs> I was like, Peter's not going to be happy with this movie. But I, I think even the horses played a great part in this film. Yeah, I, I, th- I think um, the dangerous stuff, I could kind of see that, that it was visually effe- mm-hmm. affected, right? It was an actual horse um, at that point. So, um but yeah, I thought very thrilling. Like they're they're on the rooftops of things and so forth. And there's, I think this is um, one of the final ones, right? Right when when they're kind of saving Maid Marian and she realizes that um, it's Robin Hood. But what, what they they throw the cart and then the horse kind of flips. Mm-hmm. It, it, it almost felt like a car chase just on horses. But on horse. Um, so kudos to them. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think. Um, one of the benefits, we talked about this a lot, like when you do visual effects, it helps when you have it at night or dark because then uh, you can mask it a little bit easier mm-hmm. for more realistic. And it certainly looked realistic, but at at those moments, it wasn't a real horse. Yeah, you can – well, we know that. But I think the horses did a great job in yeah. the, the chase sequence, that's for sure. Because I personally, as a, a regular audience member, member, did not expect that. And, you know, you go back to you brought up Lord of the Rings. Remember, um, uh, Aragorn's love interest. I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Arwen. 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 And the very first one when they had the whole pyramid horse chasing to yeah. the river. Yeah, absolutely. I I think like as great as that was, at least that was not in an open field, but certainly an open. You don't have to make these tight turns. This, you, you know, you're going upstairs and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It, um. That's a lot of that's that's some skill right there in terms of horseback yeah. riding. Just just riding horses is skill alone. So, absolutely. Um, okay, 
So let's talk about the music. Um, I thought the music overall played nice. Um, I don't know. It wasn't necessarily the most memorable, um, but at the same time, I think it serviced the movie quite well. Right. I, I noticed the music the most during all the action scenes, especially when he is trying to set the statement mm-hmm. and he, he gets caught and now he's just like trying to fight his way out. That's when I noticed the music the most. It had... <clears throat> In those moments, when I, uh, it had a very deliberate rhythm, even though things were speeding up, um, and it kind of it felt like it was building to something, and it, uh, it was very orchestral um, and whatnot. So, yeah, I agree with you. Those those were very powerful moments, and um, I thought the music it was almost like a beating heartbeat. So it set the pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, Joseph Tra- Trapanese is the composer of the music so, yeah I, th- I thought the music was great though because it didn't seem like old-timey classical music um, no. with the orchestra it did seem this is where i feel like the 21st century does um hearken to to the music because it felt modern yeah and what it didn't do was use like um actual songs with lyrics like it was still composition but just modernized composition because i think if, if it went like all of a sudden started using like trey songs or something like that it would have been a little uh, a, a step too far yeah and also like the thing with the problem with when you do use songs with lyrics it automatically puts a timestamp on your movie yeah it, it make it doesn't make it timeless anymore yes unless i would argue the only argument i would ever argue um, is if it's a time period and they're like it's didactic music, mm, yeah. That because then although it's in that moment, it feels more universal because it's not like like it's part of the scene. Mm. Anyway, neither here nor there. I just thought I'd share either way. All right. So um, now this was originally supposed to come out in March, but it was pushed back to two thousand. Uh, it was pushed back um, later of this year. You know, for um, for whatever reasons, you know, uh, you can understand now. They, they were unfortunately banking a lot with this movie, a hundred million dollars to make this thing. I, I thought, I think it just came at a bad time when you have movies like Creed and Ralph Breaks the Internet, um, and then even like Green Book, which is supposed to be an Oscar contender, which I haven't seen yet. I'm not sure if yeah, you have. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I, I thought it's just just bad timing, part of it. Right, and I think a March would have been a, a good time to release the film, but we know that this movie had a lot of scheduling problems already within um, Terrence's schedule, so which pushed this movie even further in production, which pushed everything else back. So I think timing was not on their side for this film, um, which is really unfortunate because visually this movie is great. Like, action-wise, it's solid. Um Characters and stories, yeah, there's, you know, different takes and stuff. But, like, overall, it's a fun film that might n- not get the, the best exposure because of the timing. Then also, like, it has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Listen, I don't think it's a 90 movie, but... 11, 11. is way too low. That's being mean. Yeah, that's... It, the The... The consensus, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is Robin Hood robs the rich source material, but is ultimately just another poor attempt to needlessly gussy up a classic tale with amped up action and modern special effects. Uh, Listen, I don't... There's movies you watch, at least I watch, and I'm like, this is a cash grab. This was made just to to make it. Mm -hmm. 
and I don't necessarily feel that with this movie. I thought there was passion that went into it from all sides. Now, you know, sure, there's some shortcomings, and we haven't necessarily highlighted all of those, but but I think in the end, it's not like they just made this just to make it. Right, and I think they they definitely tried because Jamie Foxx, Academy Award winner, and we have Taron Egerton, who is definitely up and coming in the action comedy space with uh, all of the the Kingsman movies. So I can understand why they they paired these two together because they are big in their careers right now. If you go back to Kevin Costner's, sorry, I'm going to go back to one because I don't Mm, really know that one. Um, Kevin Costner, huge in the 90s. It makes sense that they would make a movie with him as the lead. So it it really depends on the Robin Hood, just the generation that's watching and the time that they release it. it. I understand why they made the movie now with these actors. Yeah, and you know, it got a B on Cinema Score, which isn't the greatest, but it's it's also not as terrible. Um, you know, certainly again, when you look at the Rotten Tomatoes score versus the Cinema Score, um, you would expect it to kind of be like an F almost with um, with Mother, you know, Darren Aronofsky's movie. Ugh. But it's not; it's a it's a B. The, you would want like a B plus, a minus, but. It, B's not bad. It's it's, it's not going to have as, as long legs. Now, the unfortunate part is Deadline Hollywood listed this as a box office bomb. Uh, they predicted in advance. Uh, and it's rather unfortunate. Like, um, right now, basically, it, w- it was projected to make $15 million. Um, it went on to debut uh, for a five-day total at 14.2, finishing seventh at the box office, which is obviously against the budget of $100 million, is not very great. No, they're... They probably won't make their money back, and they're going to spend a long time in the th- and and it's like released in two thousand plus theaters, so that's a wide release. Um, and it's unfortunate because they're going to play out all these you know screenings and still not going to make their money back. It's unfortunate. I like, in all fairness, I I, I would look forward to uh, a second, you know, a sequel to this, especially uh, how it ended. Yeah. Like, oh crap. Now, now we have Will Scarlet as sheriff. Where do we go from there? Yeah, I, th- I, I, I thought it worked really well overall. Um, you know, I thought it was fun, but it had heart. I don't know what other way to describe it. I really don't think it's as deserved as it is. You know what? Like, it's wait for it to come out on DVD if you must or whatever. If at this point you've listened to it without seeing it. Um, Anyway, I, I still recommend it. So there's a lot worse movies you can do, and trust me, we've oh, covered definitely. them. Oh, definitely. This one's a fun movie. It really is an actually entertaining film. I can't really think of what failed epically other than maybe the time movie release. Yeah. All right. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I probably would watch this film again. I think there's a definitely a rewatchability factor. Uh, just Robin Hood's story alone is fun to follow. And, like, I liked this cast. It was fun. It would be fun to do, like, a marathon Robin Hood day with all the Robin Hoods. Yeah. Um, so that's a suggestion to all of you. That's my final thought. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you can interact with us more directly at Serafini TV. Yep. That's where you can interact with Marissa. I'm at Phil Svitek. Thank you for joining us. Of course, just because our conversation is over doesn't mean it has to be over. Uh, that's what the comment section and all that is for. Down the pipeline, we've got Ralph Breaks the Internet, and we're going to be talking about Instant Family. 
As I mentioned at the top of the show, with the holiday schedule, everything's going to be crazy. We're probably, right now, we've been doing at a pace of four movies a week, which <laughs> you have no idea. It's It sounds fun, but it can actually be quite challenging yeah, for us. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. I know, That's poor sure. us, right? We have to watch so many <laughs> movies know, and terrible. do so much research. First world problems. Um, regardless, we're going to be here for you and doing as much as we can, so keep checking back in. Also, I recommend we do have a long archive of past movies that we've done, so as you catch up on some of these movies in the holiday break, by all means, we encourage you to check out those anatomies. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time for another Anatomy of a Movie. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.